All right, all right, why don't you grab a seat? Last week we kicked off a brand new series called Basics, The Secret to Human Flourishing, and I just would encourage you, go back, and as it set the stage for our entire series, in fact, we'll do another series uh, out of the book of Proverbs as well, and so we laid the foundation. Go back, listen to last week's uh, sermon, and I gave you a resource that's brand new for some. Uh, It's called thebibleproject.org. In fact, you can take out your phone right now and download the app Read Scripture uh, app. It is a fantastic app. If you're wondering, hey, where did I get that video uh, that kind of unpacked the book of Proverbs, uh, you can go to Read Scripture. You can pull out your phone. You won't offend me. I'll think you're reading the Bible anyways, following along with me. So that's great there. But here's the foundation of what we laid last week is that um, to be a great drummer... You have to use the fundamentals and get to the basics of what it means, uh, the foundation to play drums or to be a musician. I use drums because I'm a drummer. So, you know, uh, from, from paradiddles to flamadiddles to, uh, you know, doing all the different rudiments as a drummer. The, those things that are so basic... Uh, and rudimentary, they're the things that allow you to be great. It's true when it comes to uh, art. There are rules to art, even though, and boundaries to art, and fundamentals to art, and great artists lay the foundation before they ever do that. Uh, Clearly, we want our doctors to know the fundamentals of medicine, Now listen, if you want to live a great life, there are fundamentals, there are basics, there's the rudiments of life. And unfortunately, what's happened in our world is we've gotten smarter, and yet we've not grown wiser. We have become more efficient as a species, but if you look around when we think about the things that matter most, the people that matter most, we have not become more effective, have we? We have become faster, but perhaps not better. And we're talking about the secret to human flourishing and what God's word, the book of Proverbs would say is the secret to human flourishing is found in the wisdom of God, that the universe The universe itself is woven together with the very wisdom of God. And wisdom is simply this. Wisdom is the skill. Remember we said it's the right knowledge, the application of the right knowledge at the right time in the right way. It is a skill to be developed, a path that you are journeying on, not simply information to acquire of living well in God's universe. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks then talking about different life skills. Next week, we're going to be talking all about the future, discerning God's will for your life. How do you know uh, what God longs for you and that you don't miss out on his plan? And how can you face the future in times of uncertainty? How can you have confidence in times of uncertainty? So that's next week. This week, we're going to talk about wisdom in regards to friendship. 
in regards to relationship. I'm calling it unfiltered friendships. This week, we're going to talk about the skill of having great friends. We're losing the skill of friendship in our society, aren't we? You just look around. It, it, it is so ironic. Think about this. There has never been a time in human history. Now, that is, what I'm about to say is not an understatement, and it's not an overstatement. There has never been a time in human history where we've been more connected as a species, more accessible. We, we are able, in the blink, I don't have my phone on me. It was needed for a hotspot for the kids' uh, check-in this morning. But we, we have access to everyone, anywhere. And yet what's fascinating or tragic is as a species, we have never been more isolated or alone. Why is it that we are so socially connected and yet feel so alone? How is it? How, how is that happening that, that the very art of friendship is disappearing when all, all the tools around us are supposedly to help enhance connection and friendship? I mean, isn't that what Facebook was for? Oh, maybe not. I don't know. And so this morning, I want to talk about how do you experience, or really, I think more appropriate, God's Word wants to teach us. How do you experience deep, meaningful, life-giving friendship? Friendship. Like a friend. And so to do that, I, I want to talk at first about why we're so alone in such a socially connected world. I'm calling it the unsocial network. And then I'm going to define what, I, what I'm calling uh, the... Um, unfiltered friend, because the reality is, is we live in a filtered world, and how do you have unfiltered friendships? Everything we present is filtered to the world around us, and how do we move from this filtered person that we're presenting for everyone else to an unfiltered friendship where you get to be you? And then just give you some basics of what it means or what it looks like to have an unfiltered friendship. All right, you got the outline? That's where we're going this morning, the unsocial network. And here's one big idea, and I just want you to write this down at the, at the top of your notes right there next to the unsocial network. Technology is a tool. We forget that. Let's talk about how technology is revolutionizing relationships, but technology is a tool for us to use to benefit and enhance. And unfortunately, what we have done with technology is we've allowed it to dictate how we do relationships. The tool is telling us how to respond and how to live instead of us leveraging and utilizing a tool. And at some point, we as a people have to go, no, 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 this is simply a tool to be used and I'm gonna leverage it wisely. All right, let me talk about some advantages and disadvantages to this social network, this technology that we have. The advantage is that we can connect with anyone at any time. Isn't that amazing? Let's not downplay that. 
I, I mean, one of the things I love about Instagram is I can see what's happening in other people's lives that I may not stay connected with because they moved on or moved out of the area. Uh, some of my best friends from high school, you know, one lives in Texas now, another lives in San Diego, another lives, you know, in Santa Cruz, which is really far from here. <laughs> and we can connect with anyone at any time. Here's the challenge, however. It gives us an illusion of intimacy. See, there's a big, big difference of truly knowing someone and knowing about someone. Oh, yeah. No, have you ever had this? When you're excited about someone, something that just happened in your, your life, and you show up to a friend, and you're about to tell them about that event, tell them about that thing, and what do they do? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. No, 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 but you didn't get to hear me. No, 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 but I saw it. I already saw that. And it gives us this illusion that we actually know people, but we don't truly know them. Advantage, we have access to what's happening immediately. I mean, that's the only thing I use Twitter for. I don't know about you guys, but I use Twitter for my news. Check it in the morning, making sure what happened in the world today. It's kind of scary. I stopped checking for a while because I just couldn't handle it. But we have access to what happens immediately all the time, instantaneously. And the challenge of that is in our relationships, it creates FOMO. For those who don't, there's, okay, next service, by the way, everyone will know. Sunday evening, all of them will know what that means. Let me explain what FOMO is to those who are like, FOMO? It just simply means fear of missing out. And you look at an event... You look at something that, hey, you thought they were your friends, but you weren't invited there. In fact, this has created such a, a problem in our world that I had someone that I was recently talking to. They were in New York, hanging out. They were tired, didn't want to go out on the town, but everyone knew they were in New York. So they got dressed up, put on the makeup, did the whole deal, went downstairs to the lobby of their hotel, took photos like they were going out on the town to post onto Instagram to snap. So everyone would think that they went out and had this great time. And we create this comparison culture, don't we? Comparison kills friendship. And we go, why didn't they invite me? Why wasn't I a part of that? What, what's going on? Vantage, share your life with the world. That's, that's amazing. In fact, one of the things, and let me just talk as a, for those that are in their 20s or younger, for those who aren't, this, this isn't gonna, it's going to be normal to you. One of my favorite features on Facebook, and I know if you're in your 20s, you don't use Facebook, but... But one of my favorite features on Facebook is it reminds me of things I posted in the past, this day, that you're, how cool is that? I love that. I saw one with me and my daughter the other day, you know, and she was little and just so cute, and like, she turns 13 next week. I'm going like, ah, oh! and it's just, I love that. And we get to share that. And I just think, how easy is it to now share these significant moments with people? These, you know, even with my parents or with friends, we were just, you know, at a wedding and being able to take pictures and share it. And, you know, we can share our life with the, 
world. The problem, however, the challenge is, as a result, we tend to present a filtered persona. And here's what we do. We compare, and this is what happens. We compare everyone else's filtered highlight reel to our unfiltered reality. When you look on Instagram, when you see on Snapchat, you compare their filtered. And by the way, I almost always use a filter. Lord knows I need it. You know, I mean, this Swedish skin, it needs a filter. Um, and we compare everyone else's filtered highlight reel. For those who aren't in their 20s, go to the beach sometime, go to Santana Row sometime, and just watch a teenager with their phone. It's fascinating. It's kind of like watching someone in, uh, you know, National Geographic's, like watching the wild at work, you know, right there. And you see them with their phone and their selfies, and they're working on getting just the right angle. Uh, this weekend, I was noticing uh, these two like teenage girls, as they were taking their selfies, they knew how to angle their head at just the right direction for the photo to get the perfect whatever. Like the minute the, the phone came out, their head went like this. <laughs> no lie. No lie. And we create moments that are not real for everyone else. And because of that, we're afraid to actually be real. And so we try to present something that is better than who we really are because we're afraid no one will actually like who we really are. And then the advantage goes with you wherever you go. And the challenge There's no more downtime. There's no more downtime. There's no margin. Consistently and constantly distracted from when you wake up in the morning, and I'll just true confession time. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is check my phone. I don't know why. Well, fantasy football was this morning, so it makes sense. And for some, the last thing they do at night is check their phone. There's just no more downtime, constantly distracted. Have you ever gone to dinner and saw a group that's having dinner together, but they're actually not together? They're all on their phones the entire time because we're constantly distracted. And as a result, we've allowed the tool to dictate how we interact instead of leverage the tool for us to interact wisely and build friendship. See, technology, and the reason I started off that way, is a tool. And I, I don't want you to hear for some, oh, Ryan's down on technology. That's why I'm sharing like some of my honest stuff of things. Like, I think it's awesome. I think there's some amazing advantages. But to be wise, we have to wrestle with the challenges that it confronts us with. And so, how do we experience deep, meaningful, life-giving relationships? The definition of a friend in our society is in fluctuation. It's changed. It changed the minute, you know, uh, MySpace came out to Facebook. The minute, you know, my friends on Facebook. Well, no, no, I I have like 3,000-something people on Facebook I'm connected. They're not all my friends. Sorry. I mean, some of you are like, really? Yeah. No. No, you're not. 
So I want to define for you what I'm calling unfiltered friendship. Before I do that, let me give you uh, just some different levels of friendships because this will help us understand as we progress through this because some of you are going to be in conflict internally with the definition because you're going to be struggling through the different stages or levels of friendships. We have different levels of friends in our life, and we need all of these But at some point, we desperately need to have what I'm calling an unfiltered friend or a group of unfiltered friends in our life. And stage one or level one of friendship is the acquaintance level. This is many for you at your school, at your workplace. For some, it's your neighbors. It's many uh, on the uh, Facebook friends. You're at the acquaintance level because we're not real friends at Facebook We allow them to see our intimate world that we post online, but we're not actually friends at that point. Some we are. We're just acquaintances. As you get to know someone as an acquaintance, you hang out maybe socially a little bit, you become casual friends, right? You just, you have things in common, common interests, common activities. Uh, Maybe it's a has to do with what gym you go to and you become casual friends hanging out, maybe sports, church, certainly you have, you show up, you see the same person, you have the same conversation outside, you become casual friends. Um, For those who have kids, this happens to us when our kids go to school, happens in all the, you know, sporting events that they go to, and, and you just develop these yeah, yeah, we're friendly, it's fun to hang out, but we're not especially deep, and you move from acquaintance to casual friend into close friendship. This is when you begin to share life together, you begin to grow together, you move forward in a stage of life together. Uh, Close friends often happen maybe in a missional community as you move from acquaintance to casual friend to starting to grow uh, together. Close friends happens when uh, you begin to band together and maybe you both have teenage kids or uh, in a certain stage and, and you're really relying on one another to make it through that stage. And if you're move forward, the next stage from there of close friendship is then what I'm calling un filtered friendship. It's the, you know, as my wife called it when I was first gotten married, she was always, she was doing a breeze before they were popular, by the way. You know, so FOMO, she, she had that like in junior high. All right. And so, you know, BFF, best friend for life. Like that closer than a brother or a sister, lifelong friends where, where proximity isn't a hindrance, where stage life doesn't determine relation, that you're an unfiltered friend to the end. An unfiltered friend is an intimate, life-giving, character-shaping relationship that has a rugged commitment to one another. And this is one of the things that I think has gotten lost in our society, in our culture. We have lots of acquaintances, and we have lots of a casual friends. We might even have a few close friends, but we've lost or I'm losing, and I'm really concerned about this, unfiltered friends. An intimate. Like someone really knows who you are. Like you can let your hair down around them. Or you can share anything with them. Where you don't put up walls or a mask around them. Life-giving. Like you're just around them and, 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 and your soul is recharged. You know us introverts need that too, by the way. 
We're just going, man, they just breathe life. They're just wind in my cells. Character shaping. This is so important. We'll talk about it a little bit later uh, in this message. But, but that is actually someone that is refining you, helping you grow to become a better woman or man. That is shaping your character. And all friendships shape your character, by the way. That has a, listen to this, rugged commitment. I like that. Because to be an unfiltered friend, to be intimate, to be life-giving, character-shaping, there, there, there necessitates this rugged commitment that I, I'm with you, I'm for you, and we're going to offend each other over the years, but we're going to work through it because I'm committed to you. Let's do this. In fact, do something with me, if you would. Would you take out your phone? Everybody, just take out your phone real quick. Yeah. I was going to have mine. You got your phone out. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to unlock your phone. All right? You got it? Take out your phone. Unlock your phone. You got it? You in there? Okay, now that your phone's out, now that it's unlocked, here's what I want you to do. Hand it to the person on your left. <laughs> okay. Okay, you can take it back. That's what I... <laughs> that sense of fear. That sense of dread. Why? Because on your phone is your most personal, most precious content that you carry around with you. An unfiltered friend is you can hand them your unlocked phone and feel good about it. You feel safe about it. You feel confident. They're trustworthy. Where you go, here you go. You don't have secrets from them, so you're not afraid of what they'll find. And you were created, and I was created to have that type of friendship. And this isn't just marriage stuff, this is friendship. We need friends like that. In fact, this is kind of funny, kind of sad. My, my personality, I am very introverted. I have a very extroverted job. I love people. Don't ever hear that introverts don't love people. I love people. I love being around people. You just drain me. <laughs> you do. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. Sunday, I love hanging out, but I need to go take a nap. Okay? And for a while, as our kids were young, and life was full, I did two things. I, um, I worked. I love work. I love what I do. And then I focused on my family. I just was focused on them. And I remember one day Jenny saying, Ryan, go make some friends. <laughs> like, seriously. Not that I didn't have friends. I just wasn't investing in those friends. She's like, go make some friends because the weight of your need, I cannot support. And for some, there's some men. I think men need this probably more than women do, but women need it, that need to hear that this morning. Like your application, go make some friends. Go make some godly, good friends. In fact, the proverb says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. 
I love how the message says that a friend loves through all kinds of weather and a family sticks together in all kinds of trouble. See, a friend is someone you call on in a crisis. You celebrate a significant moment with. You count on no matter what is going on. A friend is someone, an unfiltered friend is someone you go, hey, I can wake them up. And I feel okay about that. And you know they'd be there for you. So how do you get that kind of friend? Principle? Biblical principle? To have great friends, you first have to, anybody? Be a great friend. Yeah, see, this is the basics. We know this. In fact, I'm not so sure I'm going to be teaching something all that radically new. It's just us applying it. So I wanted to do something with you real quick. I got the whiteboard out. So if you want to have a great friend, if you want to have unfiltered friendship, you first have to be a great friend. And in just a second, we're going to talk about the basics of unfiltered friendship. But I thought, why don't we just kick it around? What makes a great friend? And just start shouting it out. What is the thing that you go, man, this is what I look for in a great friend? Help me out. Hang on. What faithful I heard? I thought I heard loyal. Was that right? Right over here? Honest, yeah. Available. I'm sorry. I think people kind of took that as a dating thing, as you're available. Uh, Okay. Trustworthy. I'm going to put that right next to honest, right? Because if they're honest, they're trustworthy. Okay, keep going. Accepting. Accepting. A good listener. Yep, good listener. I have lots of comments that I'm just keeping to myself right now, but these are these are great. Good listener, absolutely. What else? Common interest, sure. You share something in common. Isn't that so great about being a Christian, though? Because the thing that's most important to you, you share in common. Like, that's why unfiltered friendship, when it comes to those of us who are followers of Jesus, can be so profound. Because you go, we share nothing in common but Jesus, and hello, we can be best of friends. All right, what else? A couple more. Loving, respectful. Kind, admirable, let's see if I can spell that, admirable, encouraging, supportive, all right, we could go on, couldn't we? Here's my point, the point is, I really didn't have time to study this, so thank you, that was a lot of help. Here's my point. We already know what a great friend is. You already know it. You already know the things that you are going, man, I so want that in my life. I so need that. I so admire it when I see it in others. 
And when we begin to embrace and go, you know what? To have that type of friend, go, okay, it starts with me. Am I that type of friend? Am I one who's faithful? Am I one who's honest? Am I loyal and accepting? Am I a good listener? Am I loving and respectful and supporting and available? Right? See, we already know this. I just want to remind us. Because I believe that because we're losing the ability to have significant meaningful friendships in our culture because technology is really becoming how we're understanding it. I actually believe the church has a competitive advantage in friendship because there's a hunger in the world and the way we do friends is going to be such a longing that people are going to look and go, hey, 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 I want that. I want that. Our apologetic moving forward is how we friend and love one another. All right, the basics. The basics of unfiltered friendships. Number one, how to move. Choose quality over quantity. Choose quality over quantity. Choose quality over quantity. I'm going to give some of you some freedom this morning. Oh, you don't have to be everything to everyone. You, you don't have to be friends with everyone. And you shouldn't be friends with everyone. Hey, let me give you a little picture that was so helpful to me. I married an extrovert. I'm an introvert. And so that was a lot of tension in our life, you know, for a long time, trying to figure out how do we manage this. And I, someone shared with me the, the Lego illustration. Now, if you'll notice, there's only a certain number of connecting points on the Lego, on each Lego. This one has two. This one has six. This one has four. Well, you get the picture. When this Lego connection point, we'll take four because I can kind of build it out here, has, okay, I got that one person connected to me, and then I got that one person connected to me, and I got this one person connected to me, and then I got this connected to me. Guess what? All your connections are full. All your connections are full. This is, by the way, explains why some churches are friendly, but you have a tough time making friends. Because all their connections are full, and you can still be friendly, but you just can't actually build down and uh, get a great friendship out of it. You have a God-given amount of connection points. And for some, it's two. Okay, you're really introverted. Let's just call it how it is. And I love people. You don't like people, right? That's why you're watching online right now, because you didn't want to be here. <laughs> for some, it's three. For some, it's six. For some, my gosh, you are the most social butterfly being on the face of the planet. Here's what I got news for you. You still have a limited amount of connections. You got to steward that wisely. Choose quality over quantity. Proverbs 12, 26 says, the righteous choose. Circle that word choose. Choose their friends. You are getting inundated, especially young 20s and teenagers. You're not choosing your friends. They're choosing you oftentimes. You get snapped, and so you feel like you have to return that. You don't have to respond to everyone who says something or responds to you. 
chooses their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Another way to say it, we used to say it this way. In fact, it's even in the Bible. Paul said it, bad company corrupts good. Thank you, three of you. I'm so proud of you. Another way to say it is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who are the people in your life? Your friends are so incredibly important. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion, a fool, suffers. Help me out. Who are your friends? One who has unreliable, another translation says, many friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let me ask you some questions about your friends. Do I, as a result of who your friends are, do I want to be a better student or worker as a result of their friendship? Do I want to be a better mom or dad? Better woman or man, better husband or wife as a result of their friendship. Here's what I find about unfiltered friends. And when you get around them, I have one buddy, and I get around him. He's the most positive, encouraging person I've ever been around. And I've been given the gift of realism. Not pessimism, realism. And I need to be around people like that. And I get around him, I just, my attitude, I'm constantly challenged by my attitude. I'm, I'm, I'm like hanging out with him, like, man, I leave that, like, my wind in my cells, life-giving, and I want to be a better man. I just do. Do you have anybody in your life like that? Do they push me towards or pull me away from Jesus? Like, is there a sense that your spiritual thermostat goes up when you're around them? Or does it go down? Do I have a few deep friendships or just many surface friendships? The basic of unfiltered friendships or having that is you've got to choose quality over quantity. Jesus did this. There was the crowd. In fact, you may not know this, but he had a number of followers, not just disciples. There's anywhere between 70 to 120 at one point that were intimate part of his life. Then he had his 12 disciples. And then he had his posse. He had his three, James, John, and Peter, that were his unfiltered friends. Well, to do this, to have this type of friendship, it takes time and intentionality. For some, you've moved to the area. And you're wanting some of these deep friendship because, by the way, when you have great friendships, it feels like home, doesn't it? The minute you develop that friendship, and it doesn't feel like home until you begin to develop those friendships, but it takes time. This is crock pot. This isn't microwave. You cannot microwave great, deep friendships. you got to stew it for a long time. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, and it requires intentionality. You need to pursue, develop, be proactive. For some, just lovingly, I don't know if you remember in grade school the kid that hung out in the corner that always wanted people to feel bad for him and always said he never had any friends. Yes, I am describing me. Shut up. No, I'm (laughs) Right? Nobody wants to play with me. Yeah, because you're not playing with anyone else, and you're miserable. You're just miserable to be around. 
Someone needs to tell you, you're, you're being kind of miserable. Like, you're waiting for everyone else to do something to, like, reach out to you. What if you're the one that needs to reach out? Relationship is a two-way street. Relationship is a dialogue, not a monologue. Okay? It takes two, and you're going, well, they're not doing their part. Well, do your part. Why? To have great friends, you have to first. And what would you want them to do for you? Then you do for them. I know, it's crazy. It is crazy, but it works. Friendship, by the way, looks different in different seasons of life. We don't talk about that much. Remember when your kids, and on the playground, and for those of us who had small kids, they'd walk up and go, hi, want to be friends? It's the best, isn't it? <laughs> so good. And they're like, yeah. And all of a sudden, they're best buddies. And then high school, college, it gets a little bit more complicated, but you have this, you know, group, this crew that you go with. And then career, you get ripped out of this incubator environment that you've been in where all your friends are at, it's really difficult the minute you step into your career and you're pulled out of this environment where you're just hanging out with your friends all the time and now you have people yelling at you because you're not quite meeting your standard and you don't have time for friends. You're like, what do I do? I don't know. Well, just wait till you get married. (laughs) By the way, married couples, I just have learned and I'm sure you've learned, the minute you find a great couple friend, treasure them. Work hard at keeping that connection. Because as you have kids, it's easier for that to get disconnected, especially in the baby years. Work hard. Because, you know, you've found it. I'm sure I've I've found it this way. It's like there will be, I'll really connect with the guy, but my wife won't connect with the gal, and she'll connect with the gal, and I won't connect with the guy. I'm like, oh, man. When you find one, you go like, oh, we just love them. Invest, invest, invest. In the family stage. You often are hanging out with people that are in that same stage. And then empty nester, we don't talk enough about that because so much of your relationships as your kids are small and as they're growing happen because of that stage of life that you're journeying together. And then all of a sudden they're out and you're like looking around and going, okay, what do we do? And learning to invest and reach out. That can be an especially difficult season of developing friendship that we don't talk about because friendship looks different in different seasons of life. Proverbs 25 says the purpose or the thoughts, the motives of a person's heart are deep waters. Like the real you. It's deep waters. And a person of insight or understanding draws them out. Friendship happens in the margins of life. You've got to create margin. You've got to create space. You have to plan it in. You have to schedule it in. It has to be a priority. It takes time. It takes intentionality. As a result, uh, to really go into the deep waters of someone's life, you have to ask questions. I know this is like basics, but I, I've had so many conversations where I've asked a billion questions. And do you know how many questions they've asked of me? Zero. We're not going to be that way, church. We are going to learn. I was not, I am not or was not a great question asker. I married the ninja of question asking. (laughs) She's phenomenal. And 15 years of marriage, I've become a pretty decent question asker. It took work. It's a skill you can develop. Don't say, well, that's just not me. Hello, develop it. Let me give you a few questions. 
what do you wish you could spend more time on? You get into people's dreams when you ask that question. What's most challenging right now? You get to hear the hard part of their heart, what they're struggling with. Is there anything bugging you? Like anything that's just bothering you? Yeah, these questions, they're bugging me right now. (laughs) One of my questions that I call a second date question is, what are you learning right now? What is God teaching you? Imagine just if with the friends that you have, because I think for many, the friends that you have, you don't even know their story of how they came to know Jesus. What if you just ask them that? But so powerful when you ask someone, what are you learning? What is God teaching you? And you're really beginning to reflect on that. What are you concerned about? And finally, this is more of surface level to get down, but how are you doing? Really? Like, like, really? Like, how are you doing? Ask questions. And guys, you might need to write them down until they just become second nature. You've got to create margin. You've got to ask questions and then be present. You've got to be present, available. Be present. Put the phone down. Like, like not have it out in the conversation. For some, you got to take your watch off, okay? But, <laughs> you're not that important. <laughs> and the person in front of you is eternally important. Would you get to know them? In fact, Albert or Herbert Simon or Simone, I'm not exactly how to say his name. He's a Nobel Prize winning economist, um, one of the beginning thinkers on the whole um, AI, and um, wrote this. In an information-rich world, the wealth of information means a dearth of something else, a scarcity of whatever it is that information consumes. What information consumes is rather obvious, the attention of its recipients. That was written in 1971. Attention is the currency of relationship. To pay attention. However, unlike money, when attention is divided, I don't know why that's doing that. When attention is divided, it loses its value. Be present, and the act of presence is a discipline of the soul. It is. And you'll find that in the beginning, it is so hard. Because you're inwardly rushed, and you're used to constant. And you have to intentionally slow down. The basics of unfiltered friendship, choose quality over quantity. It takes time and intentionality. And conflict, finally, conflict is an opportunity to grow. This was a point in our leadership um, advance we recently did. But I I just thought this was so important, and I want to close here with this. Conflict is an opportunity to grow. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Part of great friendship is friction. Part of what God's going to do in the character shaping of you is friction. 
Instead of walking away when you have a hurt feeling, would you work through it with a healthy friend in your life? The way we say it in our leadership essentials, we say that we will, this is the type of church we're going to be, we will address difficult issues rather than avoid difficult people. And we have this propensity that the minute gets hard, the minute someone says something that we don't like, the minute we get feedback, ah, I don't like that, and we run away. And there needs to be this rugged commitment. And for some, your spiritual maturity and the next step in your relationship with God is actually connected to a rugged commitment with a few in your life that you'll grow with and allow God to use, refine you. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It means there's going to be friction. Another one, better an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend, and there will be wounds from a friend, can be trusted, but an enemy, enemy multiplies kisses. I don't have to go into it. You know that there are unhealthy friends. You know that there are people who are, are vile, and you don't need to be around them. That's not what I'm talking about. You know that. We're talking about a friendship where someone hurts your feeling or a friendship where someone says something that's refining. And instead of running away, you lean in. I'm going to invite the band up. I'm going to invite you actually to stand. I went a little long because we're having fun together. I want to close with this thought. You were made... For friendship with God. You were made for friendship with God. And the God of the universe has befriended you. And when we just look about that quality, like God shows you. The time and intentionality, like being present, it's Emmanuel, God with us. And we look at the conflict and the things that create separation. We can only run to the cross of a God who did whatever it takes to be with us and overcame whatever stood in the way so that we can be close to him. And so I just want us to sing this as a prayer back because we can get to have these types of relationships because that is how God is relating to us as our good